Pioneers at Work, episode 12. In this episode of Pioneers at Work, I talk with Allison Tapali, CEO and founder of Altique. She talks to me about her experience being an entrepreneur and the first woman business owner in her family. She also talks about how she helps companies manage their benefit programs and costs and shares her thoughts on the importance of women having economic resources under their control, taking the time to do what you need to do, and the importance of being true to yourself. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Pioneers at Work. And today, I have a special friend with me, Allison DePauli. Allison has been solving the healthcare crisis for employers who were sure there was nothing that they could do to control their costs or make it a better experience for their employees. She co-authored the Amazon bestseller, Breaking Through the Status Quo, How Innovative Companies Are Changing the Benefits Game to Help Their Employees and Boost Their Bottom Line. And she was recently recognized as a 2019 Top Woman in Advising by Benefits Pro Magazine. Welcome. Allison to Pioneers at Work. Let me just say right away before you start, it is great to have you here, especially because you are such a successful entrepreneur and not only successfully running your own business, but also really breaking trail in helping companies manage the dynamic world of benefits. And you're not only impacting, you know, the benefits and the benefit of benefits, right, for organizations, but in fact, you're helping their employees. So I'm excited to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk with you. I'm wondering if we, if we could just start with you telling a little bit about your story. I mean, how did you start in the entrepreneurial world? So I ended up in insurance by accident, but my family is, they're all, most of them are entrepreneurs. You know, my grandfather... Um, first generation American drove a scrap truck. My father has built houses, sold real estate. Last business was owning an insurance agency. Um, he had a tiny little oil company in the sixties, which is not really nearly as lucrative as it sounds. He sold tires. I mean, he did a ton of stuff. My uncles have boat dealerships or had boat dealerships and car dealerships. And so it's in us, right? My, my cousins, they own boat dealerships. One owns a car dealership. It was always around us. So it seemed like a really natural thing. I am the only girl entrepreneur, the only of the grandchildren, the only woman that owns her own business, but it's all around us. It was very normal to us. And it's really interesting to me how my cousins and I have such a different take on business ownership and employees than my father and my uncles do. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for being the first woman in your family for really taking on entrepreneurship, because that's what Pioneers at Work is all about. It's about celebrating women who are the first in blazing trails so that other women know, hey, I can do it too. So thank you for that. And can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, working in this environment, you had all these family members, it was in your blood as an entrepreneur, like how did you transition that as a as growing up? And like, how did you take that all in? act on that. So I, I think it was um, 
I don't want to say it was forced on me. That's not the right thing. <laughs> but when I was a, a very young girl, I was about four. My, I used to go to work with my dad sometimes. And my father at the time was building modular housing. So he was building, you know, houses in a factory. And um, he decided that I needed to learn to count and that he had a factory floor that had too many screws on it and they needed to be picked up. So he sent me out into this factory at age four and um, I would literally pick up screws and put them in a bucket. And his secretary, Barbie, would count them with me and he would write me a check at the age of four, which he then had to take to the bank to deposit. But he would write me a check and he was writing checks and I, I'm not a little girl anymore. So this was some <laughs> time ago. And he was writing checks for, you know, 20, 21, 22, $25. And finally he was like, Barbie, you are padding her check. Stop it. And she was like, I'm not. I'm trying to teach her how to count. <laughs> so he decided that he would count with me one day. And lo and behold, it was correct. But he noticed that there were a lot of shiny screws in the bucket. Oh my gosh. How did they get there? And he then he went out into the factory to kind of figure out what was going on. And his crews were throwing screws on the floor to boost my pay. Oh, my God. And of course, at that age, you don't know the difference, right? They're just no, screws. So I was summar summarily fired. <laughs> From picking up screws on the factory floor, which probably was the goal of that exercise, because they were like, what are you doing? I'm picking up the screws to get paid. <laughs> and I got paid a penny a screw. Oh, my gosh. And that just brought up for me when you tell that story of we li we grew up on a farm and, you know, there was quite a few kids in my family. So we're, it was always about, like, how how can you have any extra money? And... um this isn't quite as nice as picking up screws, but we used to go dig for worms and we would sell them on the side of the road to people going fishing. And, you know, like you said, this is not a lot of money, but it was something that, oh my gosh, you know, hey, we could sell this and earn money. And all we were putting into is sweat equity. Yep. You know, and at that age, you can put sweat equity in. Right. <laughs> at that age, you can put sweat, <laughs> you can do that. You know, as, as I get, as I get older and I think about that, I just, you know, we're a very practical family and, and, you know, my father is, he's wonderful, but I don't really think understands the dynamic of small children like many men. And certainly at that time. And he just thought, well, she needs to learn how to count. And, um, I need these screws picked up. So let's just solve this problem. And to me, that was the lesson, right? It wasn't, you know, it was, let me just solve this problem. And that kind of is always how I've thought about things is, okay, who, I don't care how or why or whatever. Let's fix this. How do we fix this? So it leads to some unconventional thinking. Yeah. How do we fix it? So as an entrepreneur, how do you bring that to you, the way that you run your business? That kind of idea in your head of like, I'm going to fix this. So I think you have to have an interest in the subject matter, right? And, mm -hmm. and what I do is, is fairly nerdy. Um, but I've spent a very long time in the insurance industry and it's broken and it's, it's, it's broken in many ways and it is not a simple solution. There is no one solution that is going to fix this. You know, universal healthcare is not going to fix this. Price transparency is not going to fix this. You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure when this will air, but just the other day, 
uh, Warren Buffett commented on the um, closure of Haven, the joint venture between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway and Chase Bank. And he's called healthcare the tapeworm of the American economy. And he basically oh. said tapeworm won. So this is not going to get fixed on an institutional level. This is going to get fixed one employer at a time. And so how do you fix it one employer at a time? Like you run any business, you break apart the supply chain and you build it back the way you want it. And one employer at a time, you can do that because every employer is different. Yes. And they need different things. It resonates with me when you talk about that is that when you start putting that lens on, it's just like people. Every every person is different, but in fact, every organization is different and they have different needs and they have different dynamics that are happening within their own environment. So, you know, what is it about you and your approach to really helping them that makes it like a really a winning strategy? So a couple of things. I normally talk with um, sort of mid-sized business owners or 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 a little bit larger company CEOs. So they're generally thinking about the impact that their decision makes, not the steps to get from A to B, right? So this is a problem for just about healthcare costs are a problem for just about every employer, right? But the nuts and bolts about how to solve it are different. But this high level conversation is the same. And a a business owner that has a hundred or a hundred and fifty or two hundred or five hundred employees, they generally know their employees. They want to do right by them, and they they are the decision maker. Or there is a small group of decision makers, and you can have a full blooded conversation about the pros and the cons. And if they've grown that business themselves, then they have a very good tolerance for risk and understand where they should take it and where they should not. They also don't like that their revenue is somebody else's profit. Yeah, especially at that size of a company, right? Because they really bought in and they still feel that sense of this is my baby. Yes. And and these are my people. And we had it, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago with a client where there was a, a miss, we, we use a particular pricing structure for them. And there was a problem with one of the providers and their balance billing um, an employee. And I had a conversation with the employer that went, look, she did everything that she was supposed to do. We knew that this type of provider is going to be a challenge. I, I'm going to take A, B, and C action. And when I'm done, if there is a balance, I want you to write a check for it. And he went, well, certainly it's not the employee's problem, so we'll take care of it. But I don't like blah, blah, blah. And he's right. I mean, they were already paid and they're asking for some additional funds because they're not part of this particular group. And those are the kind of things that one make me mad. They make employers mad. And often there's not a way to, to solve it. So there has to be a mechanism for a conversation to solve it. Yeah. So those are the nuts and bolts kind of things. You know, we take the time to have the conversation. We take the, con- the time to talk about the different kinds of models and what might be beneficial and what's not. I mean, I have, it, I onboarded two clients in about a two month period and one went, all the way in this way. And the other one, oh my gosh, we can't do that, but we can do these things over here. So you have to know who you're talking to and what their needs are, which means you have to talk to people. And really, what is it that you want? What do you mean I can have what I want in a health plan? Yes, you can. Here's how. Well, see, I it's really interesting because you say 
and you know, I find so many things, and maybe you'll agree with me. A lot of things can be resolved by talking mm-hmm. about it, communicating about yeah. it, understanding what the what your customer or your client, or it can be someone in your family. My gosh, it doesn't have to be a business transaction. Yeah. What do you what, need? What do you need? Yeah. And so when you're, you know, when you're faced with a really challenging client, and I don't necessarily mean like personality challenge, but I'm not a challenged client. Like they have a lot of barriers. They, they not risk tolerant. How do you try to help them change the way they're thinking about things? I have learned this lesson the hard way. Change is sometimes best one step at a time. And, you know, I live in this healthcare world where we can control just about every piece of the supply chain. It's not a perfect system yet. It will be, but it's not perfect yet. And there are some little bumps in the road and there are some things to know about. It doesn't work where you just give your health insurance card and you get whatever you want. And if that's what you want, what I do probably isn't for you. But if you want to deliver something more meaningful to your team and you want to control your budget, then what I have is probably quite interesting to you. So it's a matter of having that conversation. You know, I had a, a, a prospect. She'll never be a client. And she's a lovely woman. And she said, well, what I really want, because I said, what do you really want? She said, what I really want is, is X carrier at 50% of the cost. I said, well, you know, you, you can't have that, right? She said, I know, but, but you asked what I wanted. Okay. So, it, so when you think about like your clients, is it, and I think this is really important for, especially for women leaders, right? Do you, you have to kind of discern who is that really the client, the client that I want, the prospect that is really actually suited yes. for what I want to provide. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a business leader in a big organization, trying to understand who are the best people to get you the results that you need, right? I mean, I think you're completely right. I mean, we've all heard the expression, if your product is for everyone, it's for no one, right? Yeah. So I am not for everyone. And I am a fairly direct person. And we run a lean team. And we, on the one hand, just keep such a tight handle on what is going on, but we don't take people to sporting events and we don't manage somebody's, uh, reconcile somebody's invoices because we believe that employers should reconcile their own invoices. You know, we're going to make sure that everything was done right during open enrollment and for new hires and things like that. But, you know, as an employer, you need to reconcile your own invoices. That's not something that we do. You know, will we help you sort out an issue? Of course we will. But we don't reconcile invoices. We don't do lavish entertaining. We don't do any of those kinds of traditional insurance things. You know, if you want to contain your healthcare costs, we're really good at it. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that your people have access to high quality care. We're good at it. If you want somebody to take you to a, you know, I'm in San Antonio. If you want somebody to take you to a Spurs game, we're probably not right for you. Hey, sounds like you have other things on your mind, you know, and that probably isn't the biggest thing that you, you want to be thinking I'm sure about. you find the same thing too, right? I mean, not everybody is for you as wonderful as you are. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, some people don't like when I say the word pioneer, they're like they're shaking their head. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I don't get it. You know, some people I explain to them like, oh, no, no, I absolutely get it. Some people get it right away. But I think it's really about understanding who am I speaking with? Who am yeah. I trying to reach? And 
And what I love about it, Allison, is that you are really about helping people and organizations as I am. It's about how can I help people, right? Make themselves better, maybe make themselves better as a leader in their organizations. And you're there helping people figure out how, how do I serve the organization, but also serve my employees. And I think that's fantastic. It's a complicated world of benefits. I'm just going to say it right now. And I've had my share of just personal, you know, like navigating the healthcare system. And I have to tell you, it has to be even harder when you're thinking it from an organizational perspective. Yes. And uh, really, you have to think about what is best for you and what is best for your employees on a macro level before you can get in there and make any changes. And and that's a lot of discussion, right? And nobody ever asked that. What do you mean? What's What do I want? Well, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Oh, I can do that. Yes, you can do that. Well, you know, I, I'm going to turn the conversation a little bit more towards you because, you know, you're such a empowered woman and you have this great business and you're helping people. You've been probably, you've come through a lot of different experiences as a woman leader in your industry. What can you tell women who are starting to figure out that they want to pioneer their own way forward? They want to be the first at something in some sort of business entrepreneurial experience, you know, maybe they want to be the first in their family to go to college, whatever it is, what advice do you have for other women? Be true to yourself and never do anything that makes you not sleep. That might've been the best piece of advice that it was ever given to me in my lifetime. But I think that so often we're, we're steered towards pleasing other people and doing what other people need us to do or being what other people need us to be that we forget about what we need. And I think that I had, there has never been a time in my life when I did not have economic resources under my own control. If I worked for somebody else or if I had my own business, which gives you an incredible amount of freedom to do what you want to do and what you need to do. And I hear so often, even in this day and age, well, my husband does that, or my father does that, or somebody else does that for me. And I think that, and I'm not saying that you need to go out and, 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 you know, make millions and millions of dollars. That's not what I'm saying. I think that always having economic resources under your control allows you to be more of who you are. Mm, I think that is so true. This idea of, I'm going to call it financial freedom. And actually it's coining a, a phrase of <laughs> uh, someone who does coaching on finance finances. But um, for women, really, it's not about the, the, the amount of money, but it is about the uh, knowing that you have control of financial, like, or let me say this a different way. It's knowing that you have the resources available to you economically to then help you make choices that you need to make for yourself. Yes. So important. And, and realizing that, you know, that can be an aspiration and that's totally legitimate, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, ultimately you are responsible for yourself 
And, you know, one day your husband is going to die. Your father is going to die. I know that sounds depressing and morbid. Whatever other man in your orbit is not going to be there. And you need to, you need to know what it is, whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but some resources under your control. And I, I think that is the most power, one of the most powerful lessons I ever learned. Yeah. And so when you think about like women and this idea that, you know, having this ability to kind of control their own future, they have it through having economic resources. What else comes to your mind of things that they need to think about as they're looking at how, who they want to be, feeling secure in themselves and knowing that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve? I really, um, this might be a little bit of a step away from what you're asking, but I really think there is something to the airplane advice about putting on your own face mask first. And I'm not saying that you need to neglect everybody in your orbit. Um, I, I think women, most women give an awful lot of themselves to their families and their job and their, you know, philanthropic endeavors and, and all of those types of things. And one of the best decisions I ever made was to start going to Pilates at eight o'clock in the morning, a couple of times a week. And I got to tell you, it messes with my morning. Yeah, but, I understand. Believe me. <laughs> I'm happier and everybody else in my orbit is happier when that happens. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's really about, you know, people, some people don't really associate with this term, but self care, right? I mean, that's self care. And, and I think we've all had a lesson in the last year about how important self care is. Just that little bit of a pressure release, whatever that is for you, you know, have a walk, have a bath, go shopping, I, I, you know, whatever it is. Right. But whatever it is that makes you happy or satisfies yourself. You know, Alice, I really think that's really important because I've talked to a lot of women leaders and many mentioned to me this feeling of responsibility that they have and they feel responsible for their family, immediate family. And then they feel responsible at work. Like if something happens, it's all on me. They feel responsible, you know, for like, I'm not spending enough time with my friends. I need to be doing that. So they have this other responsibility around their peer groups and they carry all this responsibility. But then when they think about themselves, the first thing they say, well, I just don't have time for myself. Right. And then they're like, and by the way, I just feel so drained. I am like drained. I'm tired. I, you know, don't have, you know, by the time I get home at night, I have no energy left for anything. Never mind myself. Exactly. And, you know, another very good piece of advice I received was it takes two to play that game. So just don't pick up the rope. And I think as a mother, that's very difficult. Sometimes as a spouse, that's very difficult. As a daughter, that's very difficult. But just because somebody tries to make you feel guilty, you don't have to. My gosh, I love that. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. Like, don't pick up the rope. I said, don't, don't catch the ball. Yep. You know, same analogy, right? Exactly. And I use it in, in, a, in a conversation about leadership. You know, if someone comes into your office with the, I don't know what to do. And you start saying, let me fix it for you. You're taking the ball and you're actually. You're not helping. You're not helping, right? Because you're not teaching them how to go about figuring out what needs to happen next. Instead, yes. you're saying, I'm going to fix it. And I think that don't pick up the rope. Go find a rope for you. Like, you know, go jump some rope. Or <laughs> Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, as women, we're so conditioned and I think that we, um, still have a lot of, um, expectations that maybe we could not have and it would be helpful. Um, and let me give you an example. So I, um, I've had a housekeeper since I was 25 years old, way before I could afford a housekeeper, but I hate to clean. I really hate to clean. Okay, we have a lot in common. <laughs> I'm just saying right now. <laughs> and um, my mother was at my house with Phil's sister, and they both have immaculate houses. And now, okay, they're both retired, but their houses have always been immaculate. I mean, you know, I'm my mother's kid. There was no mess, dirt, anything in my house growing up. Everything was orderly. Everything was put away. Everything was clean. There was a process for everything. And while I'm kind of bent that way, my house is really not. We live in a very small house with three very large dogs. There is complete and utter chaos at all times. And we were having, a, you know, a family get together. I said something about the house that I, I said, I just don't, you know, and I said, I know that dis- that's disappointing to you. And my mother looked at me. She said, I think you might have one or two other things to do. It's okay. Again, I'm not a young woman and this happened not very long ago. So I think we carry those types of things. Our house has to be perfect. Our children have to be perfect. Our businesses have to be perfect. Our employees have to be perfect. You know what? They really don't. Yeah. We set the standard for ourselves that is so high on what we think we should be achieving. And it's not just in our career. It's like everywhere. It's everything. And it can't be everything. And it can't right? be. You know, it's pick your things, right? If you want to have a perfect house, have a perfect house, but then something else has to go, right? So how are you going to accommodate that? And I think we don't make those trade-offs enough. We don't value ourselves and our time enough to do that. And I, I belong to a women's giving circle and I'm a founding member of that circle because I think that women are often asked to donate time and they're not asked to get out their checkbooks. But if you really want to have an impact on something, you need to get out your checkbook. Oh, yes. I love that idea because that really does make a difference. And there's women today. I mean, we've come a long way since I got out of high school. I'll just say that. And we have more financial access to, you know, money, let's just face it, than women have ever had before. And it's given us that, that ability, right, to reinvest that where we think it's really needed. And that can be even to help other women organizations make an impact. So that's really important. So you know, Allison, that I like to give little quizzes on this, on my podcast, right? (laughs) I do. Because I think it's so important to have fun. And, you know, my podcast, you know, sometimes we can talk about really intense things. So I'd like at the end, let's just do a little quiz and lighten things up a little bit. So I have a quiz for you because I went out to your website. Let me tell you, it's awesome. Love it. There's there's some things out there I'm going to listen to because I'm like, I, as a, as a woman in business, I need to be listening to this stuff and I need to like expand my knowledge. I'm always a growth mindset, growth mindset. So I'm like, this is an easy way for me to listen to some free information and, hey, get a better handle on this whole different industry that I don't really know too much about. But we're going to get on with this with this quiz. So my first question, in your case studies, what were the things you always write about? Containing costs, 
Mm-hmm. without passing the buck to employees because they've had enough of the buck passed to them and how to do that most efficiently. Absolutely. I think you did a great job on, on your website, especially around giving specific business cases for business leaders to do that. Okay. Are you ready for your second question? Because you're doing great so far. Yes. <laughs> okay. Here we go. What are the three pillars of your mission statement that are on your website? Transparency, mm-hmm. aligned incentives, because the incentives in my industry are so incredibly misaligned in, in this day and age, and access to quality care. And that is a huge one for me. Awesome. And tell us, how did you come up with your, with your pillars? So when I look at my industry, um, we have done such a good job of convincing employers that they cannot control their costs. And we've done that by making the system so incredibly complicated. Providers, doctors, small hospitals, employees, employers, it's broken for that group of people. But it is not broken for enterprise healthcare. It is not broken for huge brokerages. It is, it's not broken for any of those people. Right. Those people are quite happy with the way things are working. And that's why I say the incentives are so misaligned. But if you can't see what's going on, you can't align the incentive. And I say this all the time. Some people, they don't know what they don't know. Correct. Correct. So they're operating in this sphere of like, I think everything's fine. Uh, I don't know any different. And then all of a sudden someone like you comes along and say, Hey, I don't think you realize exactly what you signed up for. Let me tell you. And then they're like, wow, oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. Like, this is so helpful because I had no, literally, they have no idea. Yeah. Usually there are some four-letter words involved there. Just yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's actually several letter words <laughs> that are involved in that. Well, yeah. listen, we're going to get on the third question, which is how many alternatives do companies have when considering their options? Many, not the five they're normally presented with. And I, you know, I think that's the, people think that they can only be insured with a big insurance company, that that's the only way. And I can't tell you how many employers who should be managing their costs have been told that they do not have enough employees to manage the risk. And that could be 140 employees. That could be 600 employees. I talked to an employer that has 700 people on their plan and their broker told them that they were not large enough to manage self-funded risk. And so there are many, there are, there are many ways to build a health plan. There are many ways to incent your employees to use it in the way that you want them to use it. There are many ways to incent vendor partners to do the right thing. There are recipes, obviously, but everyone, every employer is a little bit different. I mean, we have a multitude of, of clients and again, not one is exactly the same. Everyone is a little bit specific to the employer. I have to tell you, I've learned so much talking to you. It's like peeling the onion. I mean, I've learned a lot because I'm just starting to understand like, okay, there's more to this industry than I even knew. And I like, I haven't even taken off that first layer completely yet. I'm just like, when you open up a door for a first time, it's like, whoa, this is a whole different world here, people. It's been really fascinating. I love it. I do have one last question. It's not a quiz question, though. It's uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I would love to know, you know, I'm all about pioneers and helping women be the first. Who was your favorite pioneer and why? So I think my 
my favorite famous pioneer would have to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I think, you know, she was always so polite. And it might have taken you a few minutes to understand what she just said to you, but she was always so polite. And no matter what the circumstances were. And I really think there is something to that, you know, sort of just keep moving forward and getting what you need and breaking through barriers as you discover them. But recently I've, I've learned of this woman. Her name is Marley Matcher. She owns a party planning company and you're going to die. The name of her company is the party goddess. Hey, I love it. About some of the most astute financial advice about women running their own businesses. And the name of her business is the party goddess. So clearly both sides of her brain work. I love it. The party goddess. Wow. Party goddess. I'm going to have to talk to her. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear what she has to say. But yeah. yes. So, so chutzpah, right? Right. Yeah. And we need more women like that, right? Women who are out there. As you said, we have a voice. We are informing people, hey, this is what we do. We are professional, but we're stepping into our empowerment and we are really owning it. And as well, we're connecting with people like you to say, here's another example. Here's another woman who is showing us the way that you can do it too. And it doesn't matter if it's in the insurance industry, in the benefits specialty, or if it's for some other industry, there's plenty of room for women to keep breaking trail. Yeah. And with that, is there anything else that comes to mind that you would like to share with our listeners? Always be true to yourself. So, so relevant in this day and age. I, I think we, we tend to let others, we tend to try to always meet the needs of others. And that doesn't always work for the person asking to, to be that, to have that, right? Give, 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 give. At some point you have to feed yourself. Yeah. And so with that, I'm going to say thank you because you gave of yourself and your time to be on this podcast, Pioneers at Work. I appreciate it. Thank I know. You. Yes, of course. And of course, the people that are listening are going to appreciate it because you really had a lot of great insight into your industry, but also how to really engage in leading your organization or leading in your career. And I think that's really helpful for women to hear. So thanks. One last thing. If people want to chat to you, how do they do that? So our website is altique.com, A-L-T-I-Q-E, and anybody can reach out to me at A-C-D-E-P-A-U-L-I A-C-D-E-P-A-O-L-I at altique.com. Happy oh, to talk to you. Yeah, go out and check out our website. It's really great. I went out there. I was looking all around. I think it's fantastic and going to be spending some more time out there myself. Allison, thank you again. Thank you for having me. 